0: this next story is, is, is really harrowing. It, it is a tale of survival, if I've ever heard one. And uh, it involves a mom from Sudbury who was raped and then forced to marry her attacker. And she would stay with him for two years until uh, she managed to escape. Now, it, it's how, hard to imagine in this country how someone could find themselves in the, in the situation, given all the resources that we do have in place to help women. But it did happen. Her name is Suzanne. So let me set this up for you so you've got a bit of background because it goes all the way back to 1980. Suzanne would be raped on her 19th birthday by her ex-boyfriend. And when he found out that she was pregnant, he put a gun to her head and told her he would kill her if she left. So she essentially would have to live a life of abuse and horror. It was only when he did something to her daughter that She managed to flee, but her nightmare continues on from there. So this might not necessarily be easy to listen for all of you, but it is a very important story and one that she is now writing about in a book that she will be touring throughout the province so you can hear her story. Her name is Suzanne Harmony, and she joins me now. So glad you can be on with us tonight, Suzanne.
1: Thank you, Alex. I appreciate this. So I gave
0: the bare bones of what you went through and what time frame we're talking about But I think a lot of people would would wonder, why would you stay with someone who raped you? So pick up the story from there.
1: That's an excellent question, and one that I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been tossed it. (laughs) I stayed for fear of my unborn child, my own life, and that of my family and people whom I loved, because this madman threatened that if I should say anything or leave, he would kill me and them. So, um, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> following how he treated me, uh, that brutal rape where he left me unconscious, my apartment door wide open, I woke to the sound of my phone ringing and my head blasting, and I felt my body literally come back into my body, having been knocked unconscious, um, I felt that he certainly could kill us.
0: Were there any warning signs for you that I mean, this was an ex-boyfriend. You thought you were going out for your birthday with an old friend, and that you would know, have a fun night, but it, it it he turned into a monster. Were there warning signs that he was a dangerous man?
1: Dangerous, I was certain of at that point, but different, absolutely. Um, if I could share uh, uh, an uncomfortable situation that my mother and I observed. Um he w- we were visiting my family, and uh, he was looking out the window and saw two dogs uh, copulating <laughs> and he became so excited about watching them that he sported an erection uh, and then I picked up the phone to call his grandfather and give him point by point minute by minute details of what he was watching with a childlike excitement um, that was absurd because um, it was just so strange for a young adult man to behave this way. So that was the first red flag uh, where I wasn't really in love with this person. It was fun. I liked him, but it certainly was a turning point for me. And So then he became my (laughs) ex-boyfriend.
0: So the night that he raped you um, mm-hmm. and then it went on, you got pregnant. He actually was the one who told you you were pregnant and that you were going to be with him no matter what.
1: Yes, he fooled uh, the family physician uh, into believing that we were actually uh, wanting to get pregnant. And so the physician who knew his family a lot longer than he knew mine um Said, well, of course she is, and congratulations. And so he took this gem um, and he stalked me and stopped me on my way home from work one day. And with a pearl handled handgun uh, in hand, he ordered me to get into the car. We needed to talk, and I refused. And he shook the gun at me and said, You're pregnant. Get in. We need to talk. Um, I don't even. <laughs> I, I just felt weak at the knees. And um, and at that point, I did, again, everything wrong. <laughs> I surrendered to this abuser.
0: We're talking to Suzanne Harmony, who is uh, joining us uh, from her home uh, in the North. I won't say where. Um, Thank you. You've written about a book. It's called Because I Didn't Tell, because you've literally lived with this horror for the past three decades. What was it? I mean, we've spoken about this, but what was it um, that made you leave? How did you escape?
1: Thank you. Um, Coming home from hospital with one child, the son of twins, our son did not survive. Having to deliver them by myself because he was nowhere to be found. Uh, And so, hence, unless he's listening to this and figure out who he is that I'm talking about. He didn't know that we had a son he certainly would have killed me in knowing that we had a son and that he didn't survive and so upon arriving at my apartment uh facing my bewildered and shocked parents um and just looking at their faces i knew they had experienced something horrific and so we uh, quickly shooed him back out the door to do some groceries that he should have had done by then um, and upon his departure, they shared with me uh, what they heard the night before. So in my absence, after having delivered twins as I was recovering in hospital, he sexually assaulted our 22-month-old daughter, the result of the first rape, this child from the first rape. Um, and he took it upon himself, this opportunity to sexually assault um incest a 22-month-old
0: um, 22 22 child and yes. that wouldn't be the only time that would go on uh, mm. and further haunt you yes. so you fled and then mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of time left but you fled the scene and after yeah. you injured the CAS took those kids away from you and he was never charged
1: no they they did take the children away they forced me to send the children where they thought they would be safe in his family's home for a Christmas visit, because this was also, these two first children were their first two grandchildren. Um, And so I guess they pleaded with the courts. They had money. I had legal aid. Um, And so this deal with CAS was made that the children would go, and they called it a proof visit. I remember vividly my lawyer saying, you must send them. It's a proof visit. And I I, I was bewildered. Um, and I basically was put up against the wall. I have the picture of, on the cover of the book, literally up against the brick wall. And I had to send the children. Otherwise, I would have been charged. And um, And unfortunately, when I got them back on Boxing Day, I will never forget the look in those dewy eyes. Like, Mom, what did you just do? Why did you send us there? I immediately had to bring them to hospital and report it as incest. And then the whole hospital turned into someplace I had never seen before. And um, then the children were subject to even strangers with masks and gowns and gloves to examine to prove Um this allegation that I had made and unfortunately it was true. Then we had to work with uh, my daughter, the two-and-a-half-year-old now, had to work with sexually correct dolls to even give them further proof.
0: (laughs) We're talking to uh, Suzanne Harmony and I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to keep you on the phone to continue uh, what you're telling us. She's written a new book called Because I Didn't Tell, uh, the story of how she survived rape by gunpoint and a life of horror uh, at the hands of a monster. We'll continue her story after this quick break. I'm Alex Pearson, and you're listening to Global News Radio. Great to have you here with me as we uh, dig into a story that really just, uh, it it blew my mind. I've covered a lot of crime over the years and I've heard some devastating stories and I have to tell you that this one, uh, it it left me speechless as I was getting the details of it. We're talking to Suzanne Harmony who if you're just joining us, I'll give you some details. It was in 1980 when she would be raped on her 19th birthday by her uh, ex-boyfriend He found out she was pregnant and then put a gun to her head essentially and told her that she was going to marry him and she would have to endure two years of hell. What made her escape? Well, she learned that he had started to sexually assault in the most vile way her 22-month-old daughter. That was the end for her to get out. And thank God she did. Suzanne, uh, I'll I'll welcome you back in. Uh, I just wanted to give some background for those who are just joining us because this is really one of those stories that it's almost hard to imagine that this could have happened in Ontario, but happen it did. A lot of people would want to know, why is he not in jail? Why was he not charged?
1: I wonder as well. Um, In the 80s, I think there was... um, uh, a blind mistrust in women coming forward with allegations. And because when I was raped, I I, I did everything wrong, and I beg the listeners, please, any time you're assaulted in any way, report it, report it, report it. I made the mistake. I was on my own, had to take care of myself. apartment and I got the phone call saying I was late for work and I did everything wrong I I got in the shower I scrubbed away the evidence actually until the water ran cold I was numb with the realization of the events that had happened and I went to work why he wasn't charged God only knows Um, I feel it was uh, his family had money and an incredible lawyer, and as I said, legal aid. And I felt there was um, a, uh, an inconsistency with uh, the support that I was supposed to be getting from members of CAS. I went through three different workers um, in less than six months. And so there was an inconsistency, and in all honesty, the last worker who had my daughter work with the sexually correct dolls, even though there was um, doctor's proof, hospital proof of the sexual result for the second time of knowing this, um, she was very incompetent is what I will say, Um, and perhaps it was because it was the first time that a child was working with sexually correct dolls uh, to me there's no excuse. And, was there D- uh, was there DNA
0: of your child's uh, rape? Was there any DNA?
1: I believe so. Um, I, I, I I was so floored with the results and I still have that uh, very folded yellow piece of paper of the report uh, approving the sexual assault and and so it was, definitely um proven and yes um yes that it was uh, him the father who had done this that it was dismissed i i am i am baffled and perhaps it was um just so that he could not have visitation even though they they even still um up to that point were fighting for visitation and um the only way that they would allow that to happen um was if I had permission and it was under my supervision, and uh, that never happened, and I'm so grateful for that.
0: Privacy privacy laws will protect him. You cannot name this man, so he is out there. Where is he today?
1: (laughs) In our nation's capital. Uh, the last I heard, um, and, and, and I, I don't have any proof of this because I really I don't pay attention to that person, however, I was told um, that he's in our nation's capital, in that area, working as a custodian in a school. <laughs> a
0: children's school.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So privacy laws will protect him. A yes. background check would never pick up anything because if he hadn't been arrested and charged, there is no record to do a background check on. So... If, in fact, you're correct, he's working in a children's school, possibly uh-huh. exposed to many, many children in Ottawa.
1: Uh-huh. Absolutely. And funny, for you're talking about privacy laws, and in order for my book to be published, I had to take a pen name and um, fictionalize uh, the dates and names of the events, even right. though they're all very true events. Um, in order for it to be published, and so um, I love these privacy laws, don't you? <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I mean, they really do protect. Uh, they don't protect the right people, that's for sure.
1: That's right, um, the predators.
0: H- how how is your life today? So so, how are your children? I mean, do you all fear for your lives? Do you fear this man?
1: I have no fear. I and that's why when I hit send, when I sent the original manuscript to the publishers, it was a complete autobiography and I had my children's permission to give the details um, in this book, everything was golden. And because we have had many years, obviously, to heal from this trauma, um, and I believe it's it's through my faith, uh, and I use an acronym for faith, for finding all it takes to heal, finding all it takes to help, finding all it takes to... Hallelujah. And um, my faith in... Um, in a divine power that obviously this happened to me for a reason, not knowing that 30 some years later, I would have a book published about the event in order to create change and to bring an end to this barbaric behavior that has been going on for centuries mm-hmm. and only protecting the predators by our silence. Um,
0: and let me ask so, you about your children. Have your children okay. healed?
1: They have, they, Uh, We all speak very openly. Yes, we have all had counseling. And yes, um, through the the tools that have worked well for me with meditation, uh, incredible gift of Reiki, um, and the children have embraced that as well, Uh, nutrition, exercise, they are healed so well that they each have a child of their own.
0: (laughs) So some positive can be taken from this. So you write this book, Because I Didn't Tell, and it's Mm -hmm. now something, where is it available?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. It's available through Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, Barnes & Noble, um, Chapters, Indigo, Kohl's. um,
0: So it's available in bookstores. But, okay, why was it so important for you to write? Clearly, you didn't just write this, um, you know, to make money. You wrote it to, I would think, heal. Uh, What was it so important? What is your goal with Because I
1: Didn't Tell? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. My goal is... To bring about healing this is a safe place for other people who have been abused to read and it'll probably impress upon them the events that may have laid dormant within them for years but at the end of each chapter i leave two gems one is i now forgive myself for and i bullet point what someone who hasn't experienced such trauma would consider to be mistakes but as a young woman, frightened for her life and that of her loved ones, mm-hmm. I did make mistakes. However, with each mistake, I grew, and I chose to do better every step along the way. The other gem that I leave is a pearl of wisdom at the end of each chapter. And so it kind of gives the reader a reprieve.
0: And some um, hope. Yes, and some,
1: hope. and some guidance and some encouragement. And ang- All in all goodness, forgive yourself.
0: Let me ask Um, you this, because I'm running out of time, and and I want to get this in. With all the stories that you're hearing about currently, with all the predatorial behavior, the groping, the harassment, you know, are we now at a turning point?
1: Oh, I certainly hope so. I hope so, and I hope that those who are uh, expressing the events that happened to them are not necessarily... You have nothing to gain from exposing or harming the predator, that it is well-deserved, mm-hmm. absolutely. However, don't let yourself become consumed with that right. new battle. Just be grateful that you've shared it. Let the powers to be, as Kisha says in her song, Praying, some things only God can forgive, and this I believe.
0: Well, you're just a, a an inspiration and a real survival, and thank you so much for joining me, Suzanne.
1: Thank you, Alex. We will stay in touch. We appreciate this. You You, bet.
0: You can get Suzanne Harmony's book. She's a survivor, she's an author. The book is Because I Didn't Tell. Uh, It's quite something to hear a story like that. It's another thing to hear that this man is out there somewhere in some school being exposed to the very innocent. So we'll uh, share that story, we'll put it online, and uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, you were here to listen.